Hello and good afternoon, everyone. Welcome to not Xbox One on One as you see on the screen. We are well. We are we we are happy to have Miles Dompierre, the front man for Windows Central Gaming. More more importantly, chattered Xbox Chatter Days, which he does. He's been doing to incredible success. Uh, this is X Vlog episode number three. Uh, a big shout out to my artist uh, Ben Kenobi of Twitter. That guy is a, a is a boss. He's under the weather, so unfortunately he couldn't deliver the uh, the new overlay. So I'm just using the old Xbox One on One because obviously I just want to you know I don't want to I want it to be blank. But Miles, thank you so much for being here, brother. This is awesome. You're one of my favorite people to uh, of the industry simply because of the way that you conduct yourself the way that you produce your content, and more importantly, and this is the most important part, the way that you deal and speak with the community, you are very approachable, uh, you are very fair, uh, you do stand up for points that need to be stood up for. It, 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 uh, I'm incredibly happy to have you a part of today's uh, uh, new program. What's up, brother? How are you feeling? I'm fantastic. Excited to be on with you for episode three. Excited to see, you know, another new one-on-one -on -one format, which we talked about this pre-show, but that's kind of my favorite way to do it. Cause you know, you have the, the nice intimate connection. Yes. Um, appreciate all the kind words. Uh, again, it's, I always joke about this, but it's weird that anyone cares about what I say. Um, it's weird that anyone cares to listen to what I say and I appreciate everyone who does. So I'm excited to sit down and talk some games with you, dude. Yeah, yeah. Thank you so much. I mean, it's going to be a lot of fun. You know, normally, you know, as, as we, you know, we roll through doing this new format, uh, you, like you said, it's a very intimate uh, conversation that we can have. So instead of like the big panel, we can take the time to ask, you know, what you're playing and get into the two topics. And, you know, obviously everyone knows and there have going to be quite a few people that are just sick of me talking about Elden Ring. But <laughs> what have you been playing? And I obviously know. Why don't you tell the people? how big Elden Ring has been for you and actually how many days you have in this game. <laughs> so yes, despite getting this, you know, ahead of launch for the review, I have still been playing Elden Ring every single day. It's yep. been such a long time since I've had a game really sink its teeth into me in such a impactful, serious way. So yeah, Elden Ring, that's the only game I play. That's the only game I want to play. That's the only game I'm thinking about playing. Anytime I have a chance, I'm playing it, whether it be on my Xbox, where I have almost seven days of playtime, or uh, my Steam Deck, where, you know, if I can't get to the Xbox or if I just want to play on the couch, I'm playing Elden Ring on Steam Deck. Nice. Yeah, I'm, I'm all in. Elden Ring, such a special game, and it's been so rad to see folks like you and a bunch of other people who were kind of indifferent or unsure about it, um, just loving it, DMing me saying, bro. I'm 120 hours in. How is this game so good? I'm like, yes, this is what that's what I've been trying to tell people. And um, yeah, Elden Ring. That's it. That's all I want. Yeah, you know what? I'm right there with <clears throat> you. Um, I just broke 60 hours myself. Uh, I'm level 78. I am uh th not this particular run. The the footage I recorded for tomorrow's breakfast at boom um is probably my best uh work yet. I I was able to take down uh Three mini bosses, one great boss, and one regular boss, and it it, it, it was an incredible two hour run. Um, I just, I like you, I like like we were talking in the pregame. For me personally, looking at this game, I should not like this game because I'm not a Souls guy, 
and something about the open world nature that allows you to instead of hitting your head against a wall you can turn around and say you know what i'm not i need another sword i need more armor i need to learn some different magic to take down boss a and you go and you fight a bunch of mini bosses and you find a bunch of equipment and then you come back and when you beat them you're like you see this is how i enjoy playing games yeah it's that's the thing that i think translates the most when it comes to people who don't like dark souls or haven't liked dark souls didn't connect with them in the past is it's it's not as easy as skyrim but it has that same approach where yep. you can really go anywhere so if you ever come to a point where a boss is too hard or you feel like you're under leveled you just get on your horse you ride somewhere else you find some new gear you level up and then you come back that's the thing i love about uh from software games and elden ring in particular is you'll come to a boss that'll be tough You'll go level up. You'll come back. You'll absolutely crush that boss. That yeah. boss that was beating your cheeks over and over and over. You come back with your new weapon, your new armor, and you absolutely dominate that boss. And you get that sense of like, yeah, I obviously I'm getting meaningful progress because this boss was hard. Yeah. Um, Skyrim, combat in Skyrim is, is fine, but there's no huge obstacles to overcome really. And that's why I think it is more approachable for an average player is because you don't have these imposing bosses that are literally a wall to your progression yeah. um whereas elden ring you get that kind of sense of accomplishment for for taking down this seemingly insurmountable enemy yeah it, it's it's a for, perfect example of what you're saying is there was a this 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 tree boss in front of this giant great tree he was massive and he would one shot me every time i'd run past him i thought i was getting past with the horse he'd one shot me off the horse and I, you know you fall on the floor he steps on you it's over mm -hmm. i beat him in my footage yesterday and even though i you'll see I, I i die like three times but i finally beat him and i beat him like i i you know i, I gave him a couple of black eyes before taking him down and i was like oh you see now this is this is the loop that i appreciate this is what i did not understand about souls games and now that I do, and because of that, I'm probably going to go back and play Sekiro. I'm going to go back and I'm going to play Bloodborne because these are two masterful experiences that, yes, they're, they're, it is going to be taking a step back because they're not open world like this. Mm -hmm. So it may be a little bit of a learning curve. But with that said, I'm now starting to understand what the craze was for Souls games. And, and I think what's going to happen with Elden Ring, you know, specifically is from software is going to see the, you know, a more bigger interest in potentially old titles. What, what are your thoughts on that? People coming back and saying, Hey, I love this. Maybe I should try Bloodborne. Maybe I should go and play Sekiro. Yeah. And that's, it's going to be really interesting to see if there's a correlation between Elden Ring and previous sales. I've heard some, some, data from people that suggests there's already been a spike in mm. in sales for previous games but i'm curious to see you know once people really sink their teeth into this as their first from software game because one of my favorite stories is is hearing about how someone got into from software and there's always that one game whether it be bloodborne whether it be dark souls whether it be sekiro there's always that one from software game that people talk about as the reason they like from software and i think Elden Ring is going to be that for a huge new pool of players because we look at previous launches and their biggest previous launch on Steam was Dark Souls 3 at 130,000 concurrent players. Um, flash forward to Elden Ring, almost a million. Even yeah. I've never seen a game maintain this much energy either. Normally, you know, as much as we, we love video games, usually there's one feverish week where everyone's talking about it. And then 
after a week, radio silence. People have just yeah. moved on to the next thing. No, people, my Twitter feed is still like 99% Elden Ring. It's just people playing it. And I'm looking at my average playtime of friends. And I was expecting to see a bunch of people who played for a couple hours and be like, eh, this isn't for me. I'm dropping off. No one on my friends list on Xbox has less than 10 hours in this. And that that shows that this is connecting with a huge group of people. So going into Elden Ring, I thought Sekiro and Dark Souls 3, two 10 out of 10 games. Like Sekiro and Dark Souls 3 ahead of this, I thought were from software's best works. Um, and again, it's a studio that manages to improve itself every single time every release is better than the last and that is such a rare feat and then elder ring comes out and completely destroys everything else that they've done and that is that is wild so i'm hoping people go back and check out sekiro i'm hoping yeah. people go back and check out dark souls 3 bloodborne these games that a lot of people already considered a a perfect quote-unquote 10 out of 10 game um because there is something special and you can see kind of the evolution of this studio over time if you go if you play Demon Souls and you move on to Dark Souls and you move on to Bloodborne and Sekiro, Elden Ring is pretty much a culmination of everything that the studio has been working on with their uh, Souls-like formula. And it's just that perfected and expanded. And this is their mission statement for what their RPGs could look like moving forward. Yeah, yeah, it, it absolutely. And, <clears throat> and you know what? Like I said, I know I, just, I see some people in the chat that are tired of hearing about it. People don't care about it. Look. Here's the thing. Why it's an important conversation is because it's from the people that make Dark Souls, which is considered niche, right? This is a title that is going ha that has and continues to have mass appeal. So it is worthy of a conversation. It's also important to say that you take a look at what happened uh, to Horizon Forbidden West, right? It comes out on a Friday. Uh, a week later, it drops 80% in sales. 80% in sales because Bloodborne, uh, Bloodborne, because um, because this game came out and has completely enveloped everyone in the conversation, both on podcasting. It, I mean, it's still trending. Elden Ring is still trending on social media, and the game is uh, is going to be two weeks, uh, you know, removed from launch. There's what what could you, what could you say? It, it, it is a phenomenon, and it's not it's not a it, again it's not, it's not fanboys for one group jumping on and being the most rowdy and loud about it. Miles, it's everyone in the community that plays games. Every gamer who has played this game, that like you said, I did like I I, I publicly say there, there's no reason for me to like this game as much as I do because I'm not a Souls guy, but somehow or another I can't stop playing it. Like I was literally almost late for the show. I'm like, oh my god, I got, I got, I got to get to the miles <laughs> over here because I, I just can't, I can't stop playing it. But listen, folks, we're already uh, ten minutes into the program. This is not, this is, you know, we already did our gushing, if, if you will. But we do have to get into why Miles took the time to be here for, of course, X Vlog episode number three. And I, I wanted, I want to bring you back to a tweet that you did. Now you have been playing and using the Steam Deck. Mm -hmm. I canceled my pre-order because I have understood that it's I, it's not I'm not the audience for it. I'm a plug and play kind of a guy. Now I'm sure I could use it like that, but the kind of money that they're asking right now for me, it's just not something I'm going to tinker with because I don't really have a PC background. I want to just plug and play. But you did a tweet, uh, I think it was late last week, that after using the Steam Deck as far and as much as you have been using it, 
you have under the impression and the opinion that Microsoft potentially would fare well if they had their own dedicated plug-and-play hardware. And I'm, I've been banging this drum for quite some time. Um, and what's interesting, it just so happens to, you know, when we, as, as, as content creators, and you know this, sometimes we don't, we struggle to talk about things. And sometimes things just happen to come and align. The stars align for us and be like, oh my God, how could this happen? Well, yesterday, Miles, uh, there's, you know, the, 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 the internet detectives that we have in this community are fantastic. And Idle Sloth, I know you've seen him. He's one of my favorite because that dude, he must be a real detective because he seems to always find tons of incredible information. Well, he posted something that right next to two older uh, tag names for uh, Xbox hardware, uh, Project Keystone, which, again, we don't know what it is. I don't think it's the evolution to the Series X because, quite frankly, it's a, it's a perfect console. I mean, there are things that they have to do to address it and make it make it better and take better, you know, care of what's inside but they don't need an update for it right now so i'm thinking that what if a project keystone is a handheld do you think that microsoft would fare well in this switch universe where the nintendo switch sells 20 million every month they just can i mean uh, every year they continue to dominate with sales they're selling one to two million per month uh, they they're forecasted for 20 plus million again this year. Um, could Microsoft potentially enter the portable uh, even 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 with you know X Cloud being a thing? Because like for me, I don't know about you, Miles. I don't like gaming on my phone. I don't like many of the devices. I I had the key sheet. I had many of the, the devices. I don't like having to pull my phone out of a case because I keep mine in a case. So I don't like having to pull it out of the case to put it into this thing. I want dedicated hardware. I, I want a, an, an Xbox Series S handheld. What What are your thoughts on that, man? Yeah, so it's been an interesting kind of few years in, in the video game space because we've seen, obviously, the Switch came out and that delivered this device that many of us didn't even know we wanted. And I think that's the beauty of, of Nintendo and of the Switch is this, this came out and a lot of us, myself included, saw the reveal trailer and we're like, this is dumb. Who's going to take who's going to take their switch to a bar? Who's I'm not going to sit on some rooftop with which with a bunch of sexy teens playing Mario Kart. <laughs> what is great. who is this for? What is Nintendo doing? And then you get it and you're like, oh, I, I get it now. And I literally took my my switch to a bar and played Super Smash Bros. Ultimate. And it was amazing. So. Nintendo knew what it was doing with this device, knew how to take its expertise in handheld and then transition that into a device that does both console gaming and handheld gaming. And that was exciting. And with the success of the Switch just blowing up, it's clear that people are resonating with this. And the Steam Deck obviously is, is kind of trying to cash in on that in a little way while still offering a device that is true to PC gaming and it is true to a more capable device and so i've been using the steam deck the last few few weeks basically a month at this point and playing stuff like sea of thieves in my hand natively at 60 fps on the steam deck when i was doing that i was thinking to myself i i want an xbox handheld so bad because 
I have a decent Steam library. I think it's like 175 titles. Wow. Um, that's, but, that's more than decent. <laughs> but compared to my Xbox library of like 600, it's it's pathetic. And I just like had my Steam Deck and I was going through and rebuying a bunch of stuff I already had on Xbox. And I was like, man, if I could just take my Xbox library and just play it on a dedicated device, that would be so good. So yeah. we need to have a couple questions here, I guess, about this topic is first and foremost, does Xbox quote unquote, need a handheld device. And I think the, I would say, no, they don't need a handheld device. Um, but I do think if we're looking at uh, certain markets, Japan specifically, um, that might be a way to get Xbox in more hands in Japan. We've seen the Series S do incredibly well in Japan yep. versus the Series X because price point and convenience is more important than anything else. And that's why Japan is being dominated by the Switch more than yeah. the PlayStation. People always talk about PlayStation's association with Japan, and obviously that's there, but the Switch is selling way more than PlayStation in Japan because of that kind of commuter-driven market. And so Xbox dipping their toes into a handheld uh, could be a way to get into more Asian markets. Obviously, xCloud, huge focus. And xCloud, I think, is a solution for some people, but not everyone. Um, I like xCloud. It's, it's gotten a lot better. Um, and once it gets to a point where it is good enough, where the quality is good enough, the latency is good enough, it will have widespread appeal. But if you are someone who plays natively, it's yeah. going to be tough to completely disconnect from that. And I think xCloud will be a way to pull in people who don't normally play games on a lot of dedicated hardware for them to experience that. But if you're someone like yourself or myself who mostly play on a native device, you it's right now it's impossible for xCloud to to compete on that level. There's there's yeah. latency that you feel it, even yeah. though it's it's close and it's almost good enough. You feel it. And for me, that's a problem. So when I play Sea of Thieves on xCloud, it's it's a roller coaster. Sometimes it's it's sometimes it's almost like I'm playing native. And then other times my input latency is all over the place and I can't rotate my camera. And those inconsistencies make it a, an experience that I don't want to use as my primary experience right now. And I think Xbox has an opportunity as as this massive entity now to to dabble with with yeah. a handheld. And I, for one, for me personally, and this is just a greedy statement, I want Xbox to make an Xbox handheld. I don't know if it's the right business move long term, but I think it would be one that could appeal to a, an audience, especially after the success of the Steam Deck. Yeah. Well, I mean, listen, there, there are a couple of points that I want I want to cash in on here, uh, having you, uh, you know, uh, on the show. You've had it. You, you, you just said something pretty interesting. You go and you play your Steam Deck and you're playing Sea of Thieves. And in your mind, you know, we're all children somewhere in here. You know, we're, we're adults like I'm going to be 52, but I, I still feel like a 30 year old. Right there the, the, in your mind. You're like, I, I can't believe I'm playing <clears throat> Sea of Thieves on a handheld. Mm -hmm. like, I, yeah, know, and, and 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 a perfect example of that is good friend of the show who's in the chat, K Asante. He says he has 419 games in Steam on his Steam library, and he can't wait for the Steam Deck. Now yeah. he just got his hands on the X screen, and folks, here I I don't have a commercial ready, uh, but listen, the uh, the fine folks at Upspec Gaming. If you have children, if you are a gamer on the go, right now there isn't a handheld you know that you can play that's going to that's going to provide incredible visuals but there is something called the x screen 
And uh, I had a chance, thanks to the uh, incredible people at Upspec Gaming, to review it. If you missed that review, I played Gears 5, I played Forza Horizon 5, and Halo Infinite. And it is, it is, it's just absolutely incredible. The screen is a powerhouse. And even at 1080p, you're going to, you're not going to believe the visuals. Well, just imagine that uh, shrinking down to something into your hand, like a Steam Deck. I, I think personally, when you look at the, uh, what Microsoft wants to do as a company, the dedicated hardware we are here for already. The audience, the millions of people that continue to support older Xbox consoles that went out and bought an S, that went out and bought an X, that continue to buy these consoles, especially in the Asian market. I don't know about how your feed looks like. I'm seeing five and six times a day, hey, I just I just joined Xbox and, it, and it's in Japanese and I have to have it translated so I can read what they're saying. And, and that that community is very excited for the Series S. Microsoft, and we've heard Phil Spencer say this, and he got clowned for this uh, for quite a bit. They want to hit 3 billion gamers. They want to make Xbox gaming uh, touch everyone across the world. And I think that is, you know, when you, when you say that, 3 billion gamers, it is a lofty goal. But how do you do that? Well, you offer your platform on, on as many devices as you can, Miles. And they do that with xCloud, which, you know, you can play it on your phone. You can play it on your computer. You can play it on your, your tablet. And that's great. But if they want to take it to the next level and they want to be uh, to have because, again, the Xbox Game Pass, especially in a time where gas is here in New York, it's five dollars a gallon. Right. Bacon is 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 five dollars a pack when it used to be three bucks. Everything is unbelievably expensive, and somehow Microsoft has found a way to make gaming for fifteen dollars a month the best. It you it, it is literally the best fifteen dollars per month you're ever going to spend. If you had a dedicated handheld to go along with this, to download games onto your hard drive and play natively from your handheld. It would be unlike anything. And what's interesting is, like, I play my Switch handheld every day because me and Miss, me and the missus, we play Animal Crossing together. I'm addicted. I have like a thousand hours into Animal Crossing, but I don't. I, but I I play with her. I'm she's on the TV. I'm on the dedic, you know, on the handheld. And we always say, you know, how does Nintendo do it? You know, these graphics they're playing in 720p. They're not the best. The game struggles, especially in some big open world stuff. But if you could somehow shrink the Series S into a handheld that rivaled potentially the, the, the Steam Deck, that would be a story. Now, real quick, Don Otaku drops an outstanding $5 super chat and says, I think in a few years, around when revisions happen, they'll be able to put a Series S internals into a handheld so there's no compromises. What do you think about that? Do you think it, we have to wait a couple of years for that? Or is, is Microsoft currently testing this? Because we've heard that. We've heard that come from uh, Jez Corden, who was on episode one of this program. And he believes that they are currently testing uh, a handheld. I mean, do you think that that's something? I mean, they, they got to hear the people minds. Yeah, again, there's a lot of stuff that is likely happening behind the scenes that may never see the light of day. Right. And again, yeah, we've heard that Microsoft has been prototyping handheld devices. 
and to see if they can, you know, keep the power up, keep the consistency up and deliver something that people want at a price point people want. Because as Nintendo has proven, price is king at a certain point. If you exceed a certain price threshold, a huge percentage of people will not care. It doesn't matter how powerful it is. It doesn't matter what it does. If you are exceeding a certain price point for the average person, they don't care. And you talk about Phil Spencer and Xbox wanting to reach 3 billion people. As much as we're console heathens or, or PC and we want to dump all the money into this, 80% of people who play video games would never spend $500 on anything. And that's the reality. And as much as we want to be on Twitter fighting about which $500 device is better than the other, the reality is most people will never pay that much money ever. So that's why we're seeing in Japan, the Series S explode. So if they're going to do a handheld that has, you know, decent capabilities, it has to meet a certain price threshold. And I think that's going to be the, the issue for taking a Series S, shrinking it down to a handheld and making it work because doing all of that, I don't think it's going to be $300. I think it's going to exceed $300, even if it is the same specs as the Series S, because it's not necessarily as simple as taking the hardware in a Series S and putting it in a frame, unless you want the frame to be like the size of a Series S. Unless right. you want a screen in the middle of a Series S and you're just holding this big brick in your hands. Um, <laughs> it's not that simple. But I do think there is you know, an interesting experiment that can be done there. And if they can nail it, and like you said, it doesn't have to be 4K. I see people in the chat talking about, you know, I hope it's 4K. You want that device to be $2,000? Because that's what it's going to cost if this thing is running at 4K. Even the Steam Deck, the Steam, the cheapest model of the Steam Deck is $400. Yeah. That, the maximum resolution there is 800p. That's the yeah. max. Even when you're outputting to a display, it doesn't even get a boost to 1080p. So... Yeah, we're a ways off from getting 4K on a handheld device, a long ways off. Um, but I think if Xbox could do something in line with with a Switch Pro, for example, the, the fabled Switch Pro, which now we're getting more data that suggests this could be a real thing. Who knows? We'll see. Um, I think that would be interesting. And touching on the Keystone real quick. So the Keystone, I think, could either be two things. It could maybe be a, a handheld or... It could be a X Cloud stick. I was just gonna, yeah, that was gonna be my other thing that we've heard <clears throat> they've been working on for quite some time. That was gonna be, you know, the ninety-nine dollar package. It comes with a wireless controller, comes with the stick. You plug it in and you go. And you get exactly. You just plug it into your TV. Boom, you're set. You're you're streaming Sea of Thieves. You're streaming Halo Infinite. <laughs> and again, X Cloud has come a long way. It is really really good. And if you have a solid, stable internet connection, you can get really really close to a native experience and i think as that improves and like i said once it hits that good enough factor as we've seen with netflix and streaming you have the diehards who buy the 4k blu-rays and they want that native experience and then you have 99 percent of people who are like i can see yeah. the artifacting it's not 4k whatever it's good enough for me and i think convenience is going convenience and price are the two most important factors for any successful device yeah well, I mean, listen, right now, um, out of the box, a switch is 300 bucks, mm -hmm. right? Uh, you can take that on the go and be, and use it dedicated as a portable. Uh, and, uh, you know, obviously they don't have their own game pass. So with Nintendo, you, you're paying, you, you, you know, you're paying 60 bucks per game. Uh, they don't really transfer games over, you know, like you're, you buy like, obviously how many 
uh, Wii U games that I have to buy uh-huh. on, the, on the Switch. And, and, and again, I, like you said, I, I'm a Nintendo heathen because um, I understand it's wrong and I give other companies crap for that. But it's it's for me. I'm a Nintendo kid. Like I got my first Nintendo at 15, and I have been a fan ever since. And I support like uh, like they, they had their their uh, their show a couple of weeks ago, and they announced uh, Wii Sports is coming back as Switch Sports. Let's I, go! I, 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 I was jumping up and down because <laughs> I love bowling. <laughs> I love the bowling in it. See him bowling come back. Oh, oh yeah! Oh my god! I was go, so excited. Dude. It's ridiculous, I, and I shouldn't because I have it on the Wii U. That's just not plugged in. You know? It yeah. Makes, it makes no sense, but. Um, I, I really think that there's a market here. Uh, you know, we, we understand that there are, I see people in the chat, some saying that I, I've never been a handheld person. I, I hear you. I hear what you're saying. And that's this particular device wouldn't be for you, but it would be for someone who does traditionally, who's maybe a little younger. See, like me, I had a Game Boy, you know, I had the first Game Boy. I remember, you know, when you're talking about uh, devices that change, you know, everything, Game Boy was one of those devices. And it went even more so when you were able to have that magnif- that magnifying lens on it. With, oh, with yeah. Remember that? That was, it was like, I could play in the dark. This is incredible. Right. So um, <sighs> I, I think that there's an opportunity here. Uh, and I and I wouldn't, you know, listen, Jason and Jason Ronald and that team are just a bunch of wizards they they literally should just w- have long beards and, and he has a long beard so he technically is a wizard but um they they know that there are what's wonderful about the way xbox is doing things now not so much before in the old xbox one days is that they are um trying to uh trying to appease a wider audience they know that there's going to be a dedicated console fan base. We're, we're here. Everyone, we have uh, almost 300 people here. We're th- that fan base. That doesn't necessarily mean that there isn't room to do xCloud stuff. And they're doing that. And they're doing it very well. Uh, but there's also, for, with that said, there's still room to say, wait, listen, the Switch with its you know, five, five, 560 and 720 graphics is doing gangbuster numbers. If we and again, you said price is the key. Well, money money worth. If if you were able to get a handheld and you spend three hundred bucks on this handheld and you only had to pay fifteen dollars a month for five right now five hundred plus games and Guardians of the Galaxy just dropped today into Game Pass. Just imagine if you're on the bus, you're on the train, you're at a doc's appointment, you're on vacation, you just you're just hanging out waiting for your wife to come out of work. And you're you're playing you oh I'm gonna download Guardians of the Galaxy and I'm playing Guardians of the Galaxy on a freaking handheld that may be 1080p because like I said 1080p on a big screen versus 1080p on a you know a six inch screen it's gonna look 4K you're gonna be like I, I like I like I, I've seen some of the stuff from the Steam Deck and I'm like I I can't believe what I'm seeing that's not that that that's not 4K no it's 800p so. The smaller the screen, and I would imagine it would be probably around the, the what what's the Steam Deck? Is it six inches the screen? It's seven inches, so it's, it's the seven. same as the Switch. Okay, so it's it's a seven inch screen. Listen, folks, I don't know about you, but a seven inch screen on my Switch at uh, when I play Animal Crossing, like you can see the fur on the characters, and you're like, how could I? How does it look this good on the small screen? Because it's a small screen. I again. You know, it's it's there is an opportunity here. I, I hope Microsoft takes the uh, takes the chance because I'm going to definitely be buying it for sure. 
Yeah, and I think that's an that's an interesting point to make is that resolution is resolution. No matter the 1080p, no matter what size your screen is, is 1080p. So again, I think a lot of people fixate on these handhelds needing to have 1080p or higher. And as we've seen with the, with the Switch, as we've seen with the Steam Deck, um, you don't necessarily need that much, and that lower resolution is going to keep the price point down. Because once you start get you get a higher resolution screen on that device, yep. it's going to start being into phone territory. There's a reason our phones are all like fifteen hundred dollars, and yes. we tell ourselves like, "Well, I use it every day, so I, I can justify that." And <laughs> I guess you could with a gaming device, but you know, your phone is designed to do everything, and right. these devices basically make some concessions, as we've seen with the Switch. Like you mentioned the Switch being $300 right now. I'm sure that'll drop, you know, once yeah. once the Switch Pro comes out. They have a $200 option for it as well that makes some concessions. But yeah, you need to find that sweet spot of keeping it under $400, I think. If you if you put out a handheld device in your Xbox at above $400, I think that's a mistake. I think I the Steam Deck, as much as I love it, as much as I have glowing praise for it, the audience, I think is going to be very small because of the price point. Yeah. If, if you have a huge library of Steam games and you want a handheld device, like for me in my lifestyle, that is amazing. I love it. I love being able to completely disconnect from my computer because I sit in this chair all day. For work, I sit in this chair. When I play games, I sit in this chair. And so <laughs> when I'm working on my computer, at the end of the day, the last thing I want to do is like open a game on my computer. So even if it is just something as stupid and simple as like picking up my Steam Deck and going in another room, I get that disconnect and that's huge. Again, I don't think that's necessarily everyone and I don't think the Steam Deck is for everyone. Right. And, and Xbox, as you said, they are trying to appeal to more people. They're trying to appeal to a wider audience. So if you make a $500 megaton, the most powerful handheld console ever, it, it probably has some market, but I don't know how wide of a market that has. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I, I, I think that, you know, when you, you you pigeonhole yourself, you box yourself out of competition when you bring... Because look, the Steam Deck is, is going to be a big deal for a lot of people because of the power that it comes. But also with that power comes an extreme price. You know, I, I had originally pre-ordered the $649 model because I wanted more memory because I'm not going to... Like Kea Santa and I all talk all the time. He's like, I should have got the lower one because he's a tinkerer. He knows PC, so he's going to break it down and he's going to put a one terabyte in there where I would not do that because I'd be like, yeah, you know what? I'm going to send it out and let someone else do that because, you know, it's I'm all thumbs. Um, so that's so when after I sat back and I'm like, you know, do I really need this device? And the answer is no, I actually don't. And, and that's fine. But, man, if you can get a plug and play type of device that's you know two to three hundred dollars. You know, two, two between two fifty and three hundred dollars. That gives you a portable Xbox experience. Man, you are going to attract a lot of potential new people to your, your you know to your platform. And, and and with Microsoft being the main focus, one of their main focus is Xbox Game Pass is getting that subscription. You know, and we know that it's the app is coming to the TV. Right. This this project Keystone could very well be the little ninety nine dollar package. That's like that's almost uh, uh, it's, it's one of those impulse buys. Like you're, you're walking, you're shopping in Target and you see ninety nine dollar Xbox on your TV. People are going to be jumping. That, th that thing is going to sell like hotcakes. Right. But man, just imagine adding one more 
to that that picture and how wide of an audience now that you have everyone's going to be like like netflix miles people are going to just consider it to be oh it's xbox and i'm playing and this and and adding a handheld man that would be that would be something and again it's it's just my opinion and it's just your opinion and, and based on what you had to say about the steam deck you know obviously see playing sea of thieves in your hand was 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 an experience Yes. And that, again, like I said, for me and my personal preferences, I just I have a huge library of Xbox games and being able to translate that in in, you know, a handheld device would be such an amazing thing for me. Uh, somebody in the chat here mentions that this would be another skew that they would have to develop for when it comes to games. And I think that is an interesting point as well, because yeah. mm -hmm. we already have the Series X and we already have the Series S, which realistically they're. It is simple in the grand scheme of things to scale, but still, it is it's still extra work for the developers to make a Series S version of the game. And then if you're saying, oh, well, now you have to make a Series M or whatever the mobile version is going to be called, <laughs> you have to do that. There's going to be a lot of people who are like, man, that's a lot of hoops. That's a lot of versions I have to develop for on Xbox. So again, maybe the best approach is to make sure that they can get this Series S in line or the get the handheld version in line with the series s so that it is the series s version and that that will be the kind of like crux for that so it still is only two and i think that would be more appealing to developers but yeah that is an interesting point that, that is worth discussing i think yeah no 100 percent. and and obviously you adding an additional skew does potentially uh, move timelines out like we were expecting this timeline because we were developing for here this many and now we add another one so now that's going to add another two or three months four months five months to a project and again I, I agree with you there if they can get it to the exact specs of the series s then that completely alleviates uh them having to do an, a, a brand new screw because you just you just develop for your series s and it works in your handheld uh, you know, it's, it's kind of like just changing your, your socks, which would be great. Yeah, just um, turn the yeah, make it so with the developers literally just turn down the resolution from the Series S version, and boom, you're yeah, set and, 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 and good to go. And that would be a, that would be appealing. And again, when you can tell people like, hey, we have you can get your game on X Cloud, you can get your game on this mobile device. I think that's an incentive for developers who want want to get their games out to the biggest possible pool of players. Yeah. Um, well, listen. Uh, I want to move on to the next, or the you know, the second topic of today's show, and and, and I do want to talk about uh, about IPs and what Microsoft can do to bring back some of their older ones. Now, look, when when you take, for instance, at face value, what Nintendo and specifically Sony and PlayStation do, they understand they 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 have the pulse of the gaming community. Uh, on tap, they they know what excites fans, and as as great as it is, and and many people may or may not disagree. Uh, new IPs are wonderful. That that's it's it's great to have new IPs, new characters to believe in, new new, new stories that you want that they're, they're being told in front of you. But I I like going. I I'm an OG. You know, I've been gaming for forty years, so I like coming back to see older ips find life in a new era of gaming and you know again when you look at sony when you look at nintendo because i support those two particular platforms outside of xbox i'm a bit spoiled 
because every time I turn on my Nintendo, they're bringing back an old IP. I mean, they just put uh, uh, um, uh, F Zero, F Zero. Oh X. yeah, yeah. Now again, the game doesn't age well, but I can I can right now go to my Switch and play F Zero X. And if they if if for instance people start to get if Nintendo gets people getting the buzz about this thing, we might actually get a new F Zero, which is what I'm hoping for. Uh, not saying that Microsoft doesn't do that. We do have a perfect dark coming out, right? We do have fable being rebooted right now as we speak by playground games, which I'm sure it's going to be absolutely incredible with all of that said though, I, 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 I specifically, again, there's not a lot of news and I know people are in the chat like, Hey, aren't you going to talk about Microsoft being publisher of the year? We are just not on this show tomorrow morning. Tune into breakfast with boom. We have the first half of the show is going to be about Microsoft having the highest meta and winning that award and that being publisher of the year with, with, with the, uh, with the high level of the, 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 well, the high level that was maintained in their first party is something that we've all been waiting for. So we're going to get into really good details tomorrow morning with that. But for this particular topic, miles, I kind of wanted to have some fun with you. Uh, and I said, you know, in the, in the DM, when I sent the show notes, pick what three games or IPs that you would like to see um, uh, Microsoft bring back. And of course I said, Hey, listen, to make this even more fun, use Blizzard, use Activision, use Bethesda, and of course Microsoft first party and, and pick three. What, what are your three picks that you want to see Microsoft come back? Because if there's one thing that sells well, it's nostalgia. And Microsoft does have a really now, now again, it's not done yet the deal, but once they add Activision Blizzard, their IP list is going to be bonkers long. Yeah, their uh, their IP list is incredibly impressive. And I think, again, Xbox in some ways is the new, quote unquote, new kid on the block in the console <laughs> space. But they've still been around for over 20 years. Yep. So they've still been out there for a couple of decades putting out new IP. Um, so, again, I, I thought about this when you saw the, sent the DM over, asked me to pick three. There's one that if you know me, this will not be a surprise. And again, like like some people when it comes to Elden Ring chat, they're probably sick of hearing me talk about this. But first and foremost, the one IP that I want to see come back from Xbox is Phantom Dust. Oh, um, man. They yeah. gave us that that teaser, that, that reveal that they were rebooting it back in 2014, 2015, and then just axed it. That was in that was in the dark times of Xbox where <laughs> they weren't giving things a chance to to thrive and be successful. So they had a team, they had a prototype. You can go on YouTube, you can watch the gameplay for what they had so far for Phantom Dust, but they axed that project and then they released a kind of sort of remaster of the original uh, to give people a taste of it and then it's been it's been radio silent ever since. I don't think there's any official confirmation saying that like we're not doing Phantom Dust ever. But there's no active development, I don't think, for Phantom Dust right now. So that's the one. That game is so underappreciated. And, it, and when it comes to multiplayer gaming, it's this fascinating fusion of Magic the Gathering with this cool deck building system and like over the top Dragon Ball Z kind of arena fighting. And there was nothing like it when it came out. And there's still nothing like it to this day. And with this kind of focus on, you know, ongoing, evolving multiplayer titles, you you give that treatment to Phantom Dust and, ooh, 
you got you got yourself something special there. And you know, I, I've I've been passionate. I've been every time Xbox posts something that I can squeeze it in. I'm gonna I'm gonna drop Phantom Dust and be like, yo, where's where's Phantom Dust at? And I even went so far as to hit up the uh, the folks at Cold Iron Studios who developed Aliens Fireteam Elite. And I was like, you know what? I was impressed with what they did with this game. I think they'd be a great fit to to spearhead the Phantom Dust reboot. The studio head for that studio said, let's go, let's do it. So not only am I screaming from the rooftops, I am behind the scenes putting pieces in place to make it happen, all right? So Xbox, if anyone from Xbox is listening, Cold Iron Studios, they are willing to do Phantom Dust. Let's go. Yeah, listen, if, if you announce in a couple of weeks that uh, you're now leaving for Microsoft, we're going to know why. Because uh, you're <laughs> setting up studios, you're setting up, yeah, you're going to be ahead of your own studio before you know it. I, mean, I, I love the pick. Me personally, I, I want to go back to the OG Xbox. This is a game that we heard might be getting a revival. We haven't heard. And that was a couple of years ago. Uh, Crimson Skies. Oh, yeah. Was uh, one of my favorite OG Xbox games. Uh, it had a very Indiana Jones-esque feeling and storytelling to it. Um, obviously, you know, there's the, you know, the good-looking guy on the cover that's, you know, the the uh, the, uh, the protagonist, and he's flying the planes, and he's saving the damsel in distress. But that game had two things really going for it. Not only was it a, a, a fantastic uh, multiplayer game, right? You know, it had incredible dogfighting. And, and remember, that, that that was when Xbox Live was in, in its infancy. And it worked so well. But even more so than that, the single-player campaign for that was freaking fantastic. It was really good. I would love to see a studio, and because Microsoft has 34-plus studios and probably around 60 teams between all of those studios, they could give that to an, uh, an 8, 10, 20, 15-man team like they did, and you see how Grounded, Grounded was made by 13 people, and that game has exploded on the scene, yes. right? So a game, a game and again, I, 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 there's got to be some older folks uh, in, uh, in Xbox or in Xbox game studios like myself that appreciate where we were, where we are now, and would love to see uh, you know, that particular IP. What, 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 do you, what do you remember about Crimson Skies? Did you play it? I did, yeah. I remember there was a lot of cool vehicle based combat games in that era this is coming off the back of twisted metal which kind yes. of sets the stage so a lot of people are like hmm what if we took that fundamental idea and put it in the sky or uh, a lot of old school xbox fans might remember a little banger called out uh, blood wake where they're like oh my what if god we the put boats. That you was know, twisted metal in the water and yeah, I remember liking Crimson Skies a lot. I remember going over to my my buddy John's house, and that was like one of his favorite games. So playing through that campaign with him several times. Uh, and I know I see a lot of people online say that, you know, they would love to see Crimson Skies come back. And I think that would be interesting because, again, we have legacy franchises like Ace Combat still going, but there's not a lot of established flying games anymore. Yeah, no, I I absolutely agree. That first of all, there's no village, uh, there, there's no vehicle uh, combat games. Now we know that Twisted Metal uh, is, is getting a revival of sorts, right? But right now there isn't any other vehicle combat games, and and what that does, and it's what what Xbox does so well, Miles, is they know how to bring a game that has both single and multiplayer. It would be a perfect addition to Xbox Game Pass simply because it does give 
the audience. It doesn't just focus on, hey, if you like single-player games, we got you, and you're going to get a, flying around and, and do this thing. But if you like multiplayer, we have you as well. I think that would be a great pick. What's your, what's your second pick? What, what's the second uh, IP you'd love to see come back? Uh, another one that's near and dear to my heart is Dead Rising from oh, Capcom. Oh, man, yeah. Uh, yeah. Dead Rising is the reason I bought a 360. I remember playing that game for the first time and being absolutely floored by the number of zombies on the screen, the creativity with weapon combinations, and being able to just go into this mall and kill hundreds and hundreds and thousands of thousands of zombies. I had never experienced that. You know, we, we I grew up playing Dynasty Warriors, and that was kind of in line with that but this was the first time i felt like there was a serious amount of weight to the number of enemies on the screen and again love dead rising 2 dead or love dead rising love dead rising 2 i think that's the best of the series such a fantastic game dead rising 3 was a cool kind of expansion of that formula did some interesting things there but in my opinion you could tell that it didn't really get quite the same care that the first two got and then dead rising 4 a lot of development issues there and that just kind of had to come out the way it did i liked it it was fun i don't think there's any bad dead rising games but there are the first two in my opinion are so much better than three and four yeah two is the uh, goat 100%. two is two is the goat and so yeah. now that we're in this era era where we have hardware where we can expand upon those ideas we can get more enemies on the screen we can expand into open worlds in a more seamless way i want to see the big open world co-op Dead Rising. I want to see a fresh reboot that takes the foundation of Dead Rising, kind of like Dead Rising 3, where it gives you a little slice of a city, and I want to see that blown up. I want to see like a, a Raccoon City level oh, Dead Rising, yes. where you are exploring the entire city. And again, lean back into the co-op. When they took that co-op away in Dead Rising 4, super bummed, incredibly bummed. Um, yeah. cause I think that was such a huge part of why dead rising two and dead rising three were so beloved is being able to just kill enemies with your friends. So dead rising, bring it back. Open world, four player co-op. Let's go. Let's yeah, do it. That, 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 that's a good one. Uh, real quick, uh, Donald taco drops a second super chat and he says about the price. I'm sure in a few years, the series S price will make a, uh, will, will drop. So the console, uh, he thinks that they could make a handheld between $300 and $350. I'm thinking that they would take the $300 and make that a handheld, drop the Series S to you know, $250. I think it's going to be $250 this, this, this holiday, to be honest with you. We've already seen it on multiple times where even GameStop had it at, uh, discounted at $20. So it was $279. And I've, you're starting to see that more and more. So I think that's definitely a possibility. If they can get that down... Um, I can see them bringing a handheld for 300 And like I said, all they have to do is match the Switch. Match what the Switch is out. Matches, and, and the Switch isn't going down in price. It's going to be 300 to the next one comes out. That's just the way it is. That's just the way the Switch is. Um, we have Wilder Van Putin drop, <laughs> drops a very generous five, five pounds of chat and says, check with Aaron Greenberg Twitter uh, on a Steam Deck update uh, 10 minutes ago. Oh, that's interesting. Okay, so I definitely will have to check did that they, out did they put game pass on on steam deck natively because oh that would i want be, it that, that, i want that, it so that bad. would be pretty dope to be honest with you i i, I like it jc claremore drops a two dollar super chat and says i want either conquers or mecha salt reboot uh listen i'm gonna go with jc claremore right here because look i, I i'm mm. not gonna say killer instinct right if anyone follows me i'm not gonna say banjo 
my soul has been taken already. Microsoft just is like, listen, kid, we'll, we'll get to it when we get to it. I'm hoping that the, that this E3, uh, Papa Phil gets on that stage and he's wearing a banjo shirt because I'm going to fall over on my chair live on the air. Um, but Conquer, that was actually J.C. Clare, uh, 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 Moreau, I'm sorry. Uh, he, uh, he That, that was going to be my next pick. I think Conquer, it's, listen, if you go and you play it now, it still looks pretty good. It, I mean, it, it, it's, it, it's running on, you know, it's, it's, it's high res and it looks, it's very passable. Uh, some, if you, in passing, you might actually think that might be a new game. That's a character that you wonder who, who could do a conquer? Uh, well, I, 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 I mean, obviously rare is not going to do it. Rare is doing their own thing right now. They're having some, de- uh, you know, development issues with their new IP um, that has, taken on an entire reboot from what they originally uh you know pitched to us so that's going to be a couple of years out but i gotta be honest with you you know who i hand this over to miles and i want to get your opinion uh uh, studio head of psychonauts 2 uh tim schaefer is a character he is one of my favorite developers i i I just i i i can listen to him talk for hours because when he comes up, he's witty, he's intelligent, he's extremely passionate about what he's been doing. He's been doing, he's been making games for it's got to be twenty five plus years. If and I, and I know that they they are probably not working on it, but Double Fine is the stu this is is this is a studio that I think could really do justice to Conquer. Conquer is one I'd love to see come back. I. See, I think Double Fine would be a great fit, but Tim Schafer has had a bunch of comments on people asking his team to work on other IPs. Yeah. He's made jokes that like about uh, Banjo mm-hmm. saying, hey, yeah, there's already another developer that does that. They're called Rare. Um, <laughs> yeah, he did say he that. He did say something to the effect <laughs> of like, you know, we're not a cover band. Like, So I don't, I don't think Tim Schafer has mm-hmm. any interest, even slightly to do anybody else's IP. And that's why I love Tim because Tim wants to, you know, do new things. And that's, I think that's why that's how Tim Schaefer got sold on the Xbox acquisition was that they were going to be enabled Make to what you want. Exactly. Do new, exciting things, build new IP and to circle back on the Everwild situation. Um, when I sat down with Joe neat to talk about, you know, working at Microsoft and, you know, his experience on sea of thieves, he had some interesting comments that, basically said that, you know, it kind of felt like they were in this luxurious position where they were working for the world's most, uh, the world's richest independent publisher. And he was talking about how Microsoft really gives these teams, you know, the the tools and resources they need to experiment. And I think that's where Everwild is at. So I've seen a lot of people say, you know, it's in development hell, blah, blah, blah. I think that's a little extreme. I think that's kind of probably a little unfair in the grand scheme of things because what they are trying to build with Everwild is something completely new. Yes. Uh, they are trying to build, this isn't going to be an open world RPG. This isn't going to be, you know, a Sea of Thieves with a different setting. They are trying to fundamentally create a new gameplay loop and then it will take some experimentation. That'll take some going back to the drawing board. And I think that's why I'm really excited about Xbox Game Studios right now is because they are giving these teams the time and resources to do that and not say like, hey, this is what works. You have to do this. You have to have these gameplay mechanics. You have to have this loop to it. You have to sell this in your game. They are letting the teams dictate their own sort of yes approach to that. And that's incredibly exciting. So 
yeah, just wanted to comment on that because I see a lot of a lot of extreme negativity surrounding Everwild and Rare in that regard. And I think that, you know, they're just they're just taking their time to make sure that the gameplay loop that they deliver is different and it is fun because you don't want a gameplay loop that's different just for the sake of being different. Correct. It still needs to be a good, fun experience. But when you say, like, we're not going to do combat, people are like, what is that? And what do I do? What does that loop look like? And so right. I think they're just trying to figure that out, really. I mean, listen, at this point, you know, Rare is, uh, y y you have to get, you have to tip your hat because when they released Sea of Thieves, it released very bare bones, right? Um, and where it was and where it is now is why 20, uh, what did they say? They had 25 million people. Yeah, they, a the, few months ago, they, yeah, passed so, 25 mean, million players. Right. So, that, I mean, you don't get 25 million of every, of anything if your game sucks. And obviously, like I've said, Sea of Thieves, not for me, because I'm a single player guy. Like I, I like that's why that's why Elden Ring appeals to me because I can pick it up for 10 minutes, you know, farm some XP, try to get through a boss, and then I can I can which is why it, quick resume works fantastic in this game, which is you know, you just shut the system down and you start right back up where you were. And I and I love that's one of the greatest one of one of the great features of of the new consoles is the, is the quick resume. But I say, you know what? They they made a game. They showed it. It looked like Breath of the Wild. It looked gorgeous. Uh, we don't know what it was because they didn't tell us. I'm sure that same um, graphics uh, that, that we saw, which you know the cell shaded type of, of of gameplay, is going to be the game. But they're just trying to figure out what the game there is that they're making. I say, give them all the time that they want, and that's that's why Microsoft Game Studios or Xbox Game Studios is in a, an incredible position because they do have 34 teams uh, with the uh, with the, with uh, the Activision Blizzard, which is which is expected to go through. I know there's been some uh, reports uh, that we're going to talk about tomorrow regarding um, insider trading and stuff like that. Well, that that has yeah. nothing to do. With Microsoft, and that's not going to de derail them from buying Activision Blizzard. That that just proves. Uh, I, I hope it proves to regulators that maybe Microsoft is the people that you want owning this company because right now the culture is garbage. Nobody wants to work for them because of all the problems that they've had. And I hate to say this, but Bobby Kotek is at the at the center of that those problems. So you don't want that guy around, and Microsoft is going to get rid of him. But enough of that what, what what is your what is your third pick third and final pick another deep cut and uh, i will be honest i didn't research to see who technically owns the rights to this ip but this was a an xbox original xbox exclusive and that is otagi myth of demons oh my uh, god that so, is a deep cut dude that game was hard yeah man. so before was... from before miyazaki was in the mix before from software was making dark souls they they did make a lot of games that i hold near and dear tenchu another huge <sighs> beloved franchise of mine so good otagi myth of demons was such a sleeper hit on the original xbox it combined elements of devil may cry in this big kind of not not open world, but more sprawling stages than we were used to. And it had weird, haunting Japanese folklore involved. So it was like almost this ho Japanese horror-inspired hack-and-slash action game. Such a unique atmosphere. Such a beautiful, haunting world. Uh, a soundtrack that makes you uncomfortable. Like they <laughs> did a really good job. Like creating tension through the music and atmosphere of this otagi myth of demons is amazing and otagi 2 
even better. Otagi 2 Immortal Warriors, such an amazing game. They got added through the magic of backwards compatibility. I was going to ask you that. Are they backwards compatible? Yeah. Oh my God. I'm yeah. going to I got to go check storage because I believe I own those games, but oh my God, that's awesome. So if you haven't checked them out, it's I've been playing them recently just to revisit them. Once when they got added to backwards compat, I, I bought both of them because I own physical copies uh, for both of them as well. But I, I just like the convenience of digital. Yeah. But um, again, really underappreciated games. And again, it shows that from software has been around for a long time making killer games. And um, that's why it's been so cool for me as as a longtime fan to see them kind of blow up into one of these premier like some considered to be one of the best in the industry. And I fully support that. I think they are hands down one of the best developers in, in gaming right now. Yeah. Oh, hundred percent. After the, the, the success of Elden Ring, 15 plus million cons, uh, um, uh, copies sold in a week. I can only imagine that once this is a month is gone, they're going to have 25 million sold. And I mean, right now as it stands, it's, the, it's, it's their best title ever, ever released. Uh, for me, First of all, let me just get a, get a couple more super chats here. Uh, Jerron TJ, good friend, generous friend of the show. He drops a five dollars super chat and says they need to bring back Blur Racing. Blur Racing was oh, yeah. amazing. Oh my god! Um, there was a racer that that was like a Hollywood movie. That kind of buildings fell and you you drove through the buildings and stuff. I, is that Blur? What was the name of that 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 racer? Um, I'm blanking on it. Yeah, somebody in the chat because uh, it came out right 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 at the same time as Blur. Blur was great. Um, he says he wants to see uh, Vigilante 8 brought back and ne Mech Assault. Yeah, Phil has talked about Mech Assault. He says the reason why it's not back is because it's a it's in license hell. Everyone owns a piece and trying to get everyone to work together is you know how business is. Everybody mm -hmm. puts a hand out and stuff. So it's it's not it's not good. But if, if, listen, if Phil's talked about it, that's because he wants to get it done. And that's why him being the head of Microsoft gaming excites me, not because I'm a big fan of Phil Spencer, because I, like I said, of course I am. And that's the dream uh, interview, which maybe one day I'll get. Um, but he's a gamer. He's like us, Miles. He sees a game and he's like, oh my God, I want to bring X, X game back. I mean, and, and obviously they're going to be, he does not going to tell someone to make the game. See, that's the difference with uh, Xbox game studios. They don't make people make games. They say, make whatever you want. But if he put it out there, hey, does anybody want to make this game? You might get someone to be like, oh, my God, Phil. Yeah, I'd love to be, lead that team to do this. So uh, real quick, uh, Finesseful uh, J drops a $5 super chat and says, I, wanted, I, I want Jade Empire Blinks. Blinks would be so dope to bring him back. Oh, my God. And Jet Force Gemini. Yes. Oh, man, those are great picks, dude. Uh. Great, great picks. Okay, so I'm going to take it way back. And this is not this is not currently an owned IP by Microsoft by year's end it will be. Now, a couple of years ago, um, Microsoft got a lot of flack for locking up Tomb Raider for a year exclusive. That that was a, and, I, and again, you know, obviously different times. Now it's it's it, when when Sony does something like that, it's applauded. When Microsoft does it, it's it, it goes into a whole deep down rabbit hole. Uh, PlayStation good, Xbox bad. We're not, we're not going to get into it. But one of the things uh, when Phil was interviewed right after that, he was specifically asked, what, why, why Tomb Raider? Why Laura Croft? And his answer was as forthcoming and genuine as you could possibly get. And he said, because right now we don't have our own Nathan Drake. 
right? Obviously, you know, there's going to be people that say, oh, no, I, I don't like the Uncharted series. Good on you if you don't. I, I love Nathan Drake. I love everything about it. Uh, and, and I would love Microsoft. That's why last week I talked about uh, after this deal, for me, the most important thing, and it should be the most important thing for Xbox, is to lock up Crystal Dynamics, uh, Edios Montreal, and the Tomb Raider IP. Because if Crystal D goes, and I believe they already have, I, I, I believe no, no one lends an entire studio to another publisher and says, okay, when we're done with them, you know, like a pair of shoes, give them back and put them in my closet. I think that their, you know, Daryl Gallagher's connection to that studio probably, you know, talking to Phil and then Phil talking to Sati and Adalza, yeah, we, we probably should get that team to be a part of XGS. Uh, I think that deal is done. I have no 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 confirmation on that at all, but that's just my opinion. I would love to see them go out and try and get Laura Croft as a first-party IP because that would be their answer to Nathan Drake, to that third-person, story-driven world adventurer. But I, I, I do want to take – I want to take it all the way back, folks. Uh, remember, I started out with the Atari 2600 back in 1978. And, you know, in one, one, of, the, one of the IPs – that uh, had, we have not seen since, like, the OG Xbox, maybe the PlayStation 2, is Pitfall. I think that there is an incredible opportunity here to take a world-recognized IP, right, that didn't have, that had an incredible original Pitfall 1, Pitfall 2. Those are, man, you want to talk about OG classics. Those are as classic as they come. And obviously, they released a couple of 3D ones that really weren't that good. But with this particular IP, Miles, it is a bit of a clean slate. Like, you give it to someone like a Crystal Dynamics and say, hey, listen, go crazy, man. Make make a, a Tomb Raider slash Nathan Drake Uncharted adventure with Pitfall Harry, but don't make it comical. Make it like what we've been asking for, the, the third-person, story-driven, real-life type of graphics. And because it's an IP that has been uh, defunct for a decade more, maybe even two decades, it is a clean slate. What, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, that's an interesting idea because what excites me right now about Xbox is despite, you know, everyone screaming, where's Banjo? Where, where, why aren't you bringing these I'm back? Right there, want it. Um <laughs> It's because Xbox, when they bring something back right now, they want to make sure it, the right team is behind it and there is a team that has an interesting idea for it. Because I think, you know, obviously remasters are, are a great way and remakes in some ways are a great way to kind of reintroduce a franchise to a new audience. But when it comes to a reboot, you, you, your heart's got to be in it. You got to be in it for the right reasons. It can't be about just we're doing it just for the sake of doing it. Because as we've seen in the video game industry, that is usually very nefarious. That is yes. usually a very poor reason to do something. We want to do it because people want it, and we want to do it because we can make money on it. If those are the only two reasons you're doing it, yikes, it's probably not going to be good. It's not Contra Rogue Core. Ever heard of that little slapper? <laughs> um, I bought it because I love Contra, but my God, that wasn't it the was, Contra. I bought, I bought it also, and it was Ooh. terrible. It was. I barely got out of the first area. I was like, man, I wasted my money. Can I get a refund? It was awful. And that's, again, not to put down the teams making it because it's not really about the teams making it. It's about Konami being nefarious, saying, hey, we understand that we can make money on Contra. We understand we can make money on, on Metal Gear with Metal Gear Survive. So we're going to give a team a super, super small amount of money and try to 
cash in if i'm being yeah, brutally honest much. on this 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 fandom and i think that's a nefarious way to do it so again i think you bring up an excellent point with if xbox was going to go back to pitfall it really could be a clean slate because it's been so long that they could maybe they don't have to necessarily look at your uncharted's or your tomb raiders they can say all right here is my idea for how to bring pitfall into the modern age here's what we can do that's going to make pitfall a beloved ip once again and i think stuff like that is incredibly exciting so i'm glad that you know there is a world where banjo comes back or pitfall comes back but i'm also very grateful that they're not doing it just to do it it's not and a money grab it's it, it it's 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 the love of an old ip that hasn't seen a modern iteration you know toys for bob comes to mind when you say banjo they, they've come out i mean a couple of years ago before they were uh you know put into the, the salt mines of call of duty like everybody else and and i get the salt mines comment from ksan that he says that all the time it makes me laugh um they they actually talked about uh, if they, what what what's the one IP you'd love to do? They actually said Banjo Kazooie. So now that again they're not they're not a part of XGS yet, but but yes. I'm sure yes. if those conversations are going to happen and Toys for Bob, man, they that's the that's the one studio. If it's not going to be rare and it's not going to be be Platonic, which I love Platonic, like those are all X rare people working on, on on ukulele uh, which was a great and if you play, if you play the second one it was a side scroller like it was they just do great work um even playful who made uh um lucky's tale i know people i'd be i'd be both i beat lucky's tale twice the first version and the second version i know one's like ah it's a platformer i freaking loved it man i just and the game was hard it, the game challenged you for sure um i i just i just think that the the xbox is missing a few ips uh, a few genres to bring to to bring the circle the full circle around an Xbox Game Pass fighters being one of them. Ki, where are you? And I hope that's Nether NetherRealm is making it or Bandai Namco. You know, secretly their Dragon Ball team would be great to see what they do. And platformers, man, they got they they want family friendly games. You need platformers. But listen, we are an hour and ten minutes in, folks. I hope you enjoyed it. We just crossed three hundred people watching live. Miles, thank you so much for hanging out on. X vlog episode number three. This is my new program. Uh, I have really a lot of people lined up next week, folks. King David is going to be sitting down with me from the Iron Lords podcast the week after that, folks. And it's going to be a Wednesday because of our schedules. I was trying to be as, as forthcoming and helpful as I could. Jeff Grubb is going to be sitting down with me the following Wednesday on episode five. So we have a lineup Ains from uh, season gaming uh, is going to be joining me in a couple of weeks. Uh, Chris Grinnell, ex-PlayStation uh, developer, is going to be sitting down on X-Vlog episode whatever. We're trying to get our schedules together. Uh, and, of course, I know Paris Lilly isn't watching this particular program, but if anyone has a connection to Greg Miller, Paris Lilly, or you know uh, uh, Snowbike Mike, I I'd love to get them on here for an hour to talk gaming and whatever we're going to talk about. But... I have some lofty goals there, Miles Dompierre. I'm hoping that I could get as big as Windows Central Gaming. But listen, <laughs> sell your brand, brother. Tell everyone about Xbox Chatterdays. I think it's an, an amazing product that you put out there. And tell them about Windows Gaming, which, by the way, is 20,000 uh, 20, 20, subscribers plus on YouTube. That's freaking awesome, man. 
Yeah. So boom, first off, thanks so much for having me on, dude. Always love getting a chance to sit down and chat with you. Uh, if you guys want to get a hold of me, I am on Twitter at Miles Dompierre. You can also check out what I'm working on over at Windows Central Gaming. And like you touched on, Windows Central Gaming, um, you know, we're growing our little, little YouTube channel <laughs> over there. When I started, I think we had about 1,700 subscribers. 20K, dude. 20K plus. So, yeah, we're, we're just under 25K right now. Holy so, cow. you know, wow, about awesome. to hit the, the quarter, quarter century milestone. Nice. Um, yeah, super excited. Again, you mentioned Xbox Chatterdays. That is my live one-on-one -on -one podcast that I do every Saturday live at 12 p.m. Eastern time. Uh, recently, I had uh, Greg Miller, as you touched on, on. I've had Paris Lilly, Snowbike Mike, ton of amazing people. Uh, really enjoy the show, and it's a really great way to kind of sit down and, you know, get, get, to, get to know someone. So it's obviously an Xbox-centric show, but um, I go out of my way to get P PlayStation folks on as well. Of course. Yeah, to, absolutely. To, to show that, you know... As much as we have our preferences and stuff like that, it doesn't have to be mean spirited. Um, you know, no, of course not. Someone preferring PlayStation doesn't mean they hate Xbox, and I think that's you know those are conversations we need to have a lot more. And so that's why I always appreciate you know getting folks like Blessing on who are on PlayStation podcasts. But I love Blessing. That dude yeah. is awesome. Yeah, he's, they, they yeah. don't hate Xbox by any no. means, and that's you know that's what I'm trying to normalize with my show is that you know we can have some good, meaningful conversations about games and the platforms we prefer. It doesn't have to be mean. It doesn't have to be ugly. Um, but yeah, that, that's pretty much where you can get a hold of me. Yeah, and you know it's funny you made, you mentioned blessing. Uh, that that kid is awesome. Like that kid. If you if you're worried about the future of the world, just look at what that kid's doing. He's he's a great personality, and you know he's he's just a really nice kid. He's just when you see the, that what you see. I, I again, I could be wrong. He could be a terrible person behind the scenes, but I don't think so. I think he's he's awesome. I've just added him to the the bucket list of uh, potential people I'm going to interview. But uh, the Greg Miller episode that just happened, correct? Yeah, that was last week's episode. That was, so yeah, that's right. I'm halfway through. I love Greg. I, I, people, you can say what you want about him. That dude is a self-made man. Where he was from IGN uh, to where he is, and you know his his personal battles with his health and everything. And where where kind of funny is now. All you have to do is I, I'll tip my mohawk because that that, that guy is awesome, and uh, I, I'm going to get Greg on one day. We'll, we, we'll definitely see. But listen, Miles, once again, thank you so much for being here. Big shout out to the 300 people that we had here. Thank you. Couple of quick super chats. Jordan TJ says, "What about a brute force reboot or a, a remake?" Yes, yes, and yes. Brute force was freaking awesome and splendiferous. Drops the two dollars super chat and says, "Miles is a pretty classy guy. Great show, boom! Indeed, he is." And once again, folks, thank you so much for supporting this new venture of mine. It's my fourth live show weekly. Yes, it is a lot of work, but I love doing this, and I can't believe I actually have an audience that loves it as much as I do. And of course, I'm going to close out today's show with something that I say every end of every show, and it's something important to me. Hopefully, one day it'll be important to you. And that's something that my dad taught us when we were kids, and he said, "Craig." Treat others how you want to be treated. And also, it doesn't cost anything to be nice. You live by those rules. And I can guarantee you, you're going to have an awesome day. So take care, everyone. And we'll see you next week on the newest episode of X-Vlog Live.